This is your FBI. This is your FBI. The official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The subject of our FBI file, Bank Robbery. Its title, The Loner. Tonight's case concerns one of the most serious problems facing law enforcement agencies throughout the country and thus facing you, the people. That is the problem of parole. The Federal Bureau of Investigation wishes to make perfectly clear that it is not opposed to the concept of paroling eligible and deserving prisoners. Do you know how paroles are handled in your section? Take the trouble to find out through one of the good government groups in your community. Tonight's FBI file opens in a large western city. It is early afternoon as a man wrapped in a heavy overcoat hurries along the crowded sidewalk and enters the corner bank. Once inside, he puts his briefcase on the counter and wipes his heavy eyeglasses. The gray hair showing under his hat appears well-groomed. He claps his gloved hands together to warm them and attracts the attention of a clerk. He tells the clerk he wishes to see the gentleman sitting at the desk in the corner, a gentleman named Bristol. In a minute, the clerk returns, opens the gate, and shows the visitor to Mr. Bristol's desk. Good afternoon. Have a seat, please. Thank you. You said you wanted to see me. Is that it so? Was it about a loan? Yes, sir. With that, the visitor opens his scuffed leather briefcase and hands it to Mr. Bristol. I would like for you to fill this. I beg your pardon? I have a gun in my pocket. Huh? I take this briefcase over to those men, the cashiers, and fill it with money. But I... And but... please... No trouble, or I will have to shoot you. An hour later, at the local FBI field office, Agent in Charge Carter is at his desk when Agent Putnam approaches. Pardon me, Mr. Carter. Yes, Putnam? I've just been to the security bank. The amount stolen was $11,300 in cash and $7,000 in negotiable bonds. Any serial numbers? No, no, not on the money, but the bank's preparing a list of the bond numbers. Have it distributed as soon as it's ready. Yes, sir. The bandit left no prints, spoke only to a clerk and an official at the bank. The clerk didn't remember anything, but the other man, a Mr. Bristol, gave me a description. Round face, heavy eyeglasses, gray hair at the temples, and he spoke with a French accent. I don't know how much good the description will do us, though. Mr. Bristol said the man might have been using makeup. Oh. The gray hair, for example, showed traces of powder. And the police already have a suspect, a parolee named Don Conway. He's an expert at makeup. And how about that French accent? Conway always fakes an accent. He also usually covers one employee and makes him go around and collect the loot. Shall I notify the police? I've already heard from them. They're going to have Conway brought in. See to it that Bristol has a look at him in the lineup. <laughs>
Am I on time, Mr. Putnam? Oh, yes, Mr. Bristol. Let's go into the booth. Go ahead. Thank you. All right, jailer. Please bring the men onto the stage. Please line up in front of the markers. Do any of those men look like the bandits? Let me see. No. No, I don't seem to recognize any of them. Would you recognize the bandit's voice without the accent? I might. Conway, will you please step forward? Please repeat after me. I have a gun in my pocket. Take this briefcase and fill it with money. I have a gun in my pocket. Take this briefcase. Uh, what was the rest? Hold it. Like to hear him say any more, Mr. Bristol? No. He's not the man. A bank is robbed, and the only eyewitness fails to identify the suspect. However, that man remains the lone logical suspect, so a surveillance is kept on him. When, after a month, no actual proof is found... Agent in charge Carter turns for help to FBI headquarters in Washington. A request is made for the loan of an agent from the Boston office. The following day, Special Agent Jim Taylor reports. Glad to meet you, Taylor. Thank you, Mr. Carter. Now, let me give you some of the details on why you're here. All right, sir. There was a bank robbery here last month. Because of the modus operandi, we suspected a parolee named Don Conway. Ever hear of him? The office gave me a copy of his record to study on my way down here, sir. Good. Then you may have noticed Conway was sentenced to a 10-year term and was fined $5,000. Yes, I saw that. In order to get his parole without paying the fine, Conway took a pauper's oath. I see. Now, here are the surveillance reports on him since the robbery. When you read them, you will see that he's been to the racetrack every day, betting at the $50 window. No. If we question him, Taylor, you'll have some excuse. He borrowed the money or won it or found it or some story that can't be disproven. Has he spent big money anywhere else? No, the track seems to have been his only extravagance. He doesn't play the nightclub circuit, he hasn't splurged on a new wardrobe, and he's still living in the same two-room flat. Has any of the stolen money turned up, sir? We have no way of knowing. Uh, here's, uh, here's a list of the serial numbers on the stolen bonds. That's all the bank could give us. Uh-huh. Your assignment has become Conway's friend. You can try to locate those bonds. Finding them is our only chance of solving this case. May I ask a question, sir? Surely. Was I picked for any special reason? I requested someone from the Boston office because that's where Conway's from. I see. All right, who are his friends? He has none. He works alone, lives alone, eats alone. Any family? No. But before you work up a cover story, see Warden Onslow at the penitentiary. He'll give you the background on Conway's prison years. All right, sir. Have a chair, Mr. Taylor. Thank you, Wooden. Now, wait till I find those Conway papers. Okay. Oh, there they are. Now, shall I start at the top? Yes, if you will, please, sir. Conway had an IQ of 103 when he entered. That's pretty high. He's got native intelligence and a fair education. Hmm. Who are his friends, Wooden? He didn't have any. Conway doesn't trust people, not even other criminals. 
Well, who did he talk to? One or two of the inmates, but they never really got close. You have a list of uh, his visitors there? No, he never had one. How about Mayo? He didn't write or receive a single letter in two years. Any hobbies? Yes, mimicking the personnel and the other prisoners. He has the ability to hear a person a few times and imitate his speech perfectly. Uh, anything else? Makeup. Makeup? Yes, we allow the prisoners to put on plays. Last year, Conway made up the entire cast to look like movie stars. Did an amazing job. Did he uh, participate in any other prison activities? No. With that IQ, he might have used the library, huh? He did. Here's a list of the books he read. All right. All on horse racing. He seemed to be interested only in trying to work out a system for beating the races. Mm -hmm. I understand from his ex-cellmate that he was very proud of a formula he evolved just before his parole. Oh, I see. Here's a copy of his complete prison record. Thanks. Thanks very much. Anything else I can do for you? No, I don't think so. And uh, thanks again, Warden. If I have any other questions after I've read this material, I'll call you. The success of the Federal Bureau of Investigation is founded on several things. One of which is the ability to improvise and do the job with the material at hand. In this case, Agent Taylor studied the character of Don Conway, went over every report and record, then returned to see Agent in Charge Carter. Worked out a plan, Taylor? I think so, sir. The only thing that I can find that Conway's really interested in is horse racing. Mm -hmm. Now, according to the surveillance reports, he goes to the track every day. The only books that he drew from the prison library were about racing. His only interest is some elaborate system that he has for picking the winners. Well, then I imagine your plan's tied in with horses. Yes, sir. Now, Conway takes the racetrack train around noon every day. Well, I'm going to ride on the same train, sit next to him. You won't be easy to strike up a conversation with. Well, I've been reading a few books myself. One of them has a very complex method of picking the best horse. Oh, I see. So I'll have a racing paper, and when I start writing figures down on the margin, adding some and subtracting others, I think it, it might arouse his curiosity, sir. And don't forget, he likes his privacy. So take your time. Try to make him come to you. All right, sir. And remember, all we're interested in is, has Conway got those bonds? Yes, sir. When do you expect to start? This afternoon on the racetrack train. Carter speaking. Agent Taylor, Mr. Carter. Are yeah, you making any progress? I think so, sir. I've been riding that racetrack train all week. Sitting next to Conway? Well, not since that first day. Looked over a few times to see what I was doing. You spoken to him yet? No, but I let him know that I was on the train, sir. How? By being good and loud about all the winners my system has each day. Have you kept an eye on him at the track? Yes, sir, more or less. How's he been picking him? He lost every race yesterday. He might be right to learn a new system. I think it's time for you to move back in. All right, sir. I'll sit next to him again on today's train. System? Yeah. 
How's it been going? No losing days yet. Who are you making at first? Jamie. I don't put Jamie in the money. How do you figure him on top? By my system. What system's that? It's uh, kind of tough to explain. you got to really know the horses. Let's see it. Okay. Yeah. Now, you, you take the speed ratings of each horse for the last three races. Add all three ratings. Now, you throw out anything on the hard track. 